The greatest of all Jesus' miracles, shy of his own resurrection, was raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus' enemies had tried to explain away all of his other miracles. The man born blind, they said, wasn't really born blind, or it was a guy who just looked like him. When he uh, cast out demons, they said it was by the devil that he cast out demons. But here was one they could not deny. Lazarus had clearly been dead and was buried. Bethany was only two miles from Jerusalem, so many people were aware of it. Uh, Mary and Martha must have been prominent people because there were lots of people who came out for the funeral, and they saw that he had been buried. And even if they had made some horrible mistake and buried him before he was actually dead, maybe he was only in a coma or something like that, after four days in the tomb with all of those wrappings around his face, he would have been dead, and there was no question about it. And Jesus raised him from the dead. So they couldn't explain it away, nor could they uh, say it was by the devil that he raised him from the dead because they knew very well the devil has no power to raise the dead. And in fact, why would he? Because to raise the dead would be to give back to God someone he had already claimed for himself. So clearly, this miracle was a sign that Jesus was from God. And many of the people who were watching the whole thing, who saw the miracle, who had been you know, sitting on the fence, not quite sure if they believed in Jesus or not, once they saw this, they said, yes, this man has to be from God. This is proof positive. And they began to believe in him. And his enemies, who rather than seeing it and saying, well, I guess he's proved to us that he is from God, their hearts were so close to him that for them, that was the final straw. And he was too threatening to them. And they decided he had to be put to death. And from that point on, they plotted their plan to have him killed. And we even read in the Gospel of John that they were even trying to kill Lazarus because people were believing in Jesus once they saw Lazarus risen from the dead. And of course, that whole plot is what we're going to talk about next Sunday and during Holy Week as we enter into Passion Sunday and remembering the death that Jesus endured for us. But His raising Lazarus from the dead was a reminder to the people at the time, get used to this idea of resurrection because you're going to see it again. Hopefully when they received the word from the apostles that Jesus was risen from the dead, that they might say, well, he raised Lazarus. Maybe he did raise himself from the dead. It would make it easier for them to believe because they'd seen this happen before. And not only is it a reminder to them to get used to the idea of resurrection But it's a reminder to us as well, for us to get used to the idea of resurrection because we're going to see it again. And that is on the last day when Jesus returns from glory, we who have been baptized in Christ, on the day of our baptism, we were baptized into his death and his resurrection and promised eternal life with him when Jesus returns in glory. I see we have a child here who's going to be baptized today. I assume, yes, okay. So that child today in the waters of baptism receives the promise of eternal life. And every one of us, the day we were baptized, we're told, yes, we will endure death like Jesus did, but on the last day we will rise again. And unlike uh, Lazarus, who had to rise into this life to die again, we rise to the new life where we will never die again. When Jesus returns in glory, all evil, all sin, Everything connected with that will have been completely destroyed. We have a new creation. Our souls will have been perfected. Our bodies will now be raised to be perfect. And we will live with a perfect soul and a perfect body in a perfect new creation for all of eternity. 
And that is the promise that we received the day we were baptized and the reason why we do everything we do each and every day of our lives. What our whole Lenten journey has been about is trying to overcome our sins and grow in the things of heaven, the things that will lead us to eternal life and keep the resurrection on the last day in mind because that should be our primary concern, remembering we will rise from the dead. And we realize that sadly sometimes we let the things of this world get the best of us and we worry too much about the things we need here and now. And it's not wrong. Certainly Jesus taught us in praying the Lord's Prayer to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So yes, of course, it's perfectly fine for us to pray for the things we need here and now. But sometimes we give too much attention to them. And things that are merely luxuries or desires, we turn into needs in our minds. And we decide we really need this or that. And they take our minds off heaven and eternal life. And sometimes they're even on practices, beliefs, whatever it may be, that contradict that call to holiness, that would stand in the way. That if we practice that, if we believe that, if we do that, we will not inherit heaven. And sadly, there are many people who do worry more about having the things here on earth, even if it means sacrificing our eternal life. And that's the danger that all of us have to overcome, making sure that we keep our eyes on the big picture, on the resurrection of Jesus on the last day, and our resurrection as well, as we're preparing ourselves to enter into the days of his suffering, death, and resurrection, remembering not to keep our minds fixed on this world, but always on the big picture, that when Jesus returns in glory, we will rise from the dead. And that is also one of the reasons why you notice when somebody passes away, we treat their body with great respect. We don't just discard it. We don't just throw someone's body away, but we treat it with reverence. We bring their body into church. We repeat their baptismal rites. Almost every funeral I celebrate, I remind the people there that we're repeating at the beginning of our mass what happened the day that person was baptized, to remind ourselves of the promise that person received the day when they were baptized, that they would inherit, inherit eternal life with Jesus. And we bury the body with great dignity and respect. For example, even here in our cemetery when we do, and so many people will come by if you have loved ones buried here, that you adorn their tombs with flowers and so many other things, palm crosses, things connected with each season of the year, and pray at their, at their graves for them because we remember that's not the last time we're going to see them. Their body is only temporarily in death. They will rise again. And so we treat their body with great reverence and great respect. And you may know that for centuries, the church did not uh, permit cremation for practical reasons. In the earliest days of our faith, the pagans cremated their dead. But Christians, to show the difference in our belief in the resurrection, would bury the dead. The catacombs, for example, are places where Christians buried their dead. But then, after Christianity won over the Roman Empire and cremation uh, ceased to be the way, it could have come back into the faith, but for many different reasons it didn't. And then towards more recent times, there were some people who were cremating their dead to deny the resurrection, thinking that if they cremated the body, well, they couldn't rise from the dead. Well, but we realize that all we're doing in cremation is speeding up the natural process. Left to itself, the body will eventually return to dust over a period of time. And since it's been centuries since that was the concern, the church in recent years has allowed cremation, realizing that some situations it may be the more practical way, more economical, for a way for somebody to uh, 
take good care of or properly lay to rest somebody who has died. However, the church has been clear to stipulate that when we do have a cremation take place, it is strongly urged that the body be presented to church first and then the cremation take place afterwards and then that the ashes are buried just like a body in a grave, a columbarium, a mausoleum, someplace with great respect. And somehow I know that when the church gave permission for cremation, the second part of it, how we take care of what we do with the ashes afterwards, somehow just did not trickle down to the level, to the ordinary level. And I know there are many people who through no fault of their own just did not realize that we're not permitted to keep an urn with our loved one's ashes on a mantle or scatter them somewhere or anything like that. That we must bury a body, the ashes, the same way we would bury a body with the same respect. So if any of you should have at home or somewhere uh, ashes of a loved one that have not been properly buried, please come and see us or a funeral director and we'll work with you to make sure that they are buried in an appropriate manner that respects the dignity of that loved one. And then recently I read about one of them I've, I've known about, but then another one I read about just yesterday on the internet that is coming up before many of the states. New York is one of them. You may have heard about human composting where people are saying that you know, what they're trying to do, some, a few states have allowed it, New York is poised to permit it, where the human body would be basically just ground up into compost and used in a, uh, you know, as fertilizer in a garden or someplace like that. And the church yesterday, the, uh, the, bishops, the U.S. bishops came out and clearly said, no, this is not a reverent way to treat the body of somebody whom we love. We don't just turn them into fertilizer for gardens or anything. No, we bury it with great dignity. And the other one that I just heard about yesterday, I'm still not quite familiar with the term that is used for it. It's something, an antioxidant, it's, I don't remember the word that's used for it, but basically what they do is they reduce the body into a brown liquid, which is then poured into the sewer system. Well, of course, I think all of us realize this is not the appropriate way that we treat the body of somebody we love. So no, we don't turn the bodies of loved ones into human compost or into something that's poured into the sewer system. And so when those bills come up, of course, we want to fight them and make sure that other people do not give in to the temptation to think this is an appropriate thing to do with a loved one who has died. So no, we treat the body of a loved one who has passed away with great respect because we know it will rise again on the last day. And what will it be like on that day? Well, we can't even begin to imagine. I don't think any of us could imagine what a new creation, a perfect existence will be like. I often say this to the children when I'm teaching them. I said, you know, plan the perfect life for yourself right here and now. I said, go hog wild, anything you'd like to put into it. What would you say would make a perfect life for yourself? And of course, they usually come up with things like, oh, I don't have to go to school, no homework. You know, I can go to bed when I want and wake up when I want. I can eat ice cream all day. I can have whatever I want, play video games all day. And my mother's never going to tell me, stop playing the video games and, you know, get your homework done or anything like that. And rightly so. I said, okay, fine. I said, but now imagine you did plan that life for yourself or even having your favorite food every night for dinner. I said, what would happen after a while? And they all say the same thing. We'd get bored. I said, yes, we would. Because after a while, having your, same, your favorite meal every night, we'd get bored with it. We would get bored with hearing our favorite music over and over again or doing the things we do. We'd want bigger and better video games. This one you know, isn't satisfying us anymore. We can't imagine 
what a perfect world will be like for us, what the new creation will be. In fact, St. Paul even once wrote, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it so much as dawned on man what God has prepared for those who love him. But we know it is something that we should desire more than anything else. Because if we can think of even the most beautiful moments in life, those days and moments that we say, I wish that would never end, I wish this could last forever, it will pale in comparison to one moment in the presence of the Lord. And so as we get into the latter portion of our Lenten journey here, as next Sunday we'll celebrate Palm or Passion Sunday, and then Holy Week, and two weeks from today, we'll be celebrating Easter Sunday, remembering Jesus' resurrection from the dead. Let us keep our minds fixed on that goal, on that promise of eternal life, of the resurrection of our bodies, that when we die, we will be buried, but we will rise again on the last day. And unlike Lazarus rising to an imperfect world such as this, we will rise to the new creation where God will give us everything, where all sin, all sorrow, all pain, all conflict will have been destroyed, and we will have only absolute perfection, a perfect soul in a perfect body, and a perfect new creation for all of eternity. That is what the Lord died and rose from the dead to give us. May that be our greatest desire of all, that we live each and every moment of every day with our eyes fixed on our resurrection on the last day that Jesus won for us. May Jesus Christ be praised now and forever.